together now. <laughs> Stop pretending. All right. <laughs> you didn't last service. It's fine. All right. Good morning, Rich Church. All right. <laughs> People are saying good morning and then just go back to their conversation. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. All right, uh, if kids want to head out to reach kids, they can head out now. And I'm going to pray, so pray with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that we can say that we, we know your name, that you have revealed yourself to us, and you have revealed us ultimately in, in Jesus. And Father, that, that your name, Jesus, means Savior, that that is what you have been to us. And Father, I ask that you, today you would open our hearts and open our minds and um, open up the scriptures to us to see the glory of your name. Father, we want to, to worship you in, in everything that we do, to be uh, those who lift up your name high and who love you for all that you've done and all that you are. So Father, would you use today for us to glorify you and to love Jesus more. We pray in his name. Amen. All right. So this summer we are moving through uh, the Ten Commandments in the form of the Ten Promises that Jesus came and Jesus changes the Ten Commandments to turn them into promises. So just a little recap of what we've done so far. We talked about the first commandment that this is the, the who we are to worship. We are to worship God and God alone. Yahweh, this God by name who's revealed in Jesus. Second, how are we supposed to worship? We're supposed to worship not through created images, but as, as created images, as the image of God, as those who represent Jesus well. All right, but third, third, this time we're talking about the commandment that we should not bear the name of the Lord in vain. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, this commandment is actually, actually going to reveal to us the, the why behind all of this. That there's actually a purpose in, in God's creation, in God's plan, and it's, it's actually revealed in this commandment really well. So, this, this commandment, we cannot reduce it to, to a, a game that we play. That, oh, don't, don't say God, don't say... Don't say, oh my God, or else God will frown at you. And so, you know, it, it, you know those, you played those games at, uh, at baby showers, and everyone has a clothespin, and you're like, you can't say the word baby, or mom, or pregnant, and like, you'll get your clothespin stolen, and people try to trick you, and everyone, the cruel people who try to do that. Um, all right, that is not the game of this commandment. It's not the God game. And then if you say God in the wrong context, then, then you get your clothes pin taken. Now, there's a lot more to this commandment. Uh, we're going to talk about that, the small stuff. We're going to talk about the overarching plan of God in this commandment, what his purpose is, not just in the commandment, but in all, all of life. So we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the, the purpose of the commandment, how we're supposed to fulfill it, and then how Jesus changes the commandment for us. All right, so we're looking at uh, Exodus 20, verse 7. Uh, you can turn there if you want, but you don't, you don't have to. I think you're going you're gonna to be okay. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. All right. Let's start by talking just what that means. So to, to take his name. Now that's, a, that's an idiom in, in Hebrew. It's a, to take the name upon, upon your lips. That when you speak the name, when you kind of take that name upon yourself, you're not to do it in vain. All right, so that's where the, the commandment is a little overarching. What, when, when do we take the name of the Lord, in, just in general? All right, so we can take it in, in con, kind of casual conversation. There are those, like, exclamations where we say things like, oh, my God. Okay, that's, that's taking the Lord's name. We're using it. Where else do we do this? We, uh, we can swear oaths or vows in his name. The commandment would have to, talk, to have something to say about that. We take the Lord's name when we speak about him. We deliberately say, okay, this is the character of God. This is what this passage means. This is what the Lord would want you to do. That is speaking the Lord's name. And finally, I think this is the most important one, is that when we are saved, we are to confess the name of Jesus that we take his name upon us, we take it upon our lips, and we take it upon our lives. That we are taking the name of Jesus. And we become Christians, the people of Christ, the followers of Christ. Now it's those kind of things that we're talking about, from the, from the pretty mundane to, to the essence of the Christian faith. That's what this commandment is about. And what does it say? It says... You shall not take the name in vain. In vain. Now, it doesn't say you shall not say that name in, in inappropriate context or with blasphemy. No, it says, it says in vain. So, what does that mean? All right. Hebrew is just like English. It's just a normal language. So, you can, you can talk about, okay, where, what else do you use that for? So, you studied. You studied for your test in vain. What does that mean? That means you failed your test. <laughs> you studied all night and you didn't pull it off. All right. And there's an understanding when you, excuse me, when you talk about in vain, that there's a, a purpose that you're getting at. You had a goal in mind. In this case, if you're studying for a test, the implication is, okay, you're studying to, to get a good grade. You didn't. That's where latent in this commandment is a purpose that when we speak the name, there's a goal in mind. And you could either fail when you take that name, or you could be successful. Now, what is, what is the goal here? What does success look like? I'd say that if we look at the whole Bible together, we want to glorify the name. We want to lift up the name. We want to bring glory to the name of the Lord. And that when we do that, we are successful. We have not taken this name upon our lips in vain. Now, so that we kind of have a, a grasp of it, glory is a very vague term. And we throw it around, and especially in Christian circles, okay, what, what does it mean to, to have glory? To have glory. So glory has to do with, uh, first of all, with weight. So, if you're heavier, you're more glorious. All right, so if you took a rock 
So you just took a rock. It's, it's, it's really heavy. All right, and then there's water. If you throw the rock at the water, the rock is more glorious than the water. It destroys the water. It beats up the water. The, the rock wins. All right, rock versus water, the more glorious thing. Glory has weight to it. It has a gravity. That things run into it and they fall down. That they, they break when they're crushed by it. Second, second, glory has to do with, with being beautiful, radiant, dazzling. The glory is, is beautiful and captivating. Third, third, beauty, beauty is, it demands the honor and respect and fear even. All right, so let's, let's take something that it's kind of universally understood to be glorious. All right, the sun. The sun. The sun is massive. It is bigger than anything else. It's just, it just has more weight to it. So much weight that everything else circles around it. It, it controls its environment. All right, it is, it is beautiful. It is radiant. It is so beautiful and radiant that as much as we'd long to, to stare at it, we'd burn out our eyeballs. And as much as you might take the sun for granted, you have to respect it. it all, life comes from it, and sunburns come from it, and, <laughs> and you die if you stay out in it too long. You know, it's, it has some weight to it. All right, that's what we're talking about. That is glory. And what we're doing is we're tr the, the point of this commandment, the point of, of God, actually, is that his name would be glorified, that it'd be clear that his name has a gravity to it, that it is beautiful, that we see it as beautiful, that we, we are standing in awe of the name of God. All right, I'm going to say that that's, that's God's, God's overarching purpose in all things, is to lift up his name. When, when Israel was saved, why, God says, okay, why, why did he do it? He tells us, he says, it is for my name's sake that you were saved. Not because they were good, not because he, he needed it. It's a, it's a, it was for his name. And Moses actually appeals to that. Uh, when, when God is going to destroy them in the desert, what does Moses say? He doesn't say, we, we, we apologize, we're We're sorry. He doesn't say that, well, we, we, we tried to be good people. No, what does he say? He says, no, you need, to, you need to protect your name. That if you were to destroy us in the desert, all the other nations, they would tell the story of this scary God who brought his people out of Egypt just to squash them in the desert. Then no, it, he knows. He knows that nothing is going to convince God more than protecting his name and the honor of his name. All right, so what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that above all else, God glorifies his own name? All right, now initially, when I first heard that, it sounds kind of narcissistic. That God is just obsessed with himself and making sure that everyone else sees how wonderful he is. That he's like a teenager 
looking in the mirror, showing off. <laughs> look, how, look how beautiful I am. Everyone should know. And that, that's, that's how God can see. All right, so how is this different? I, I, it's my job to convince you right now that God, God should be obsessed with his own glory and be trying to convince us of how glorious his name is. Okay, because first of all, first of all, it is true that that teenager is not the most beautiful thing that's ever walked the earth. He is not the gift to God's creation. All right, but uh, God is. He actually is the most glorious. He is the most beautiful. He is the most honored. He should be lifted up because that is his rightful position. Second, that if he's going to reveal himself, he needs to show us his glory. That if, if God is who he says he is, he's infinitely more amazing and powerful and beautiful than we can even imagine. And so the more he lifts his name up, the more we get some kind of taste of who he is. If he neglects that, then we will never know him. And that's where it, it's third, he, he lifts up his name because he wants to share us, himself with us. And for us to know that he is the best thing out there for us. All right, analogy for this, analogy for this. So, uh, let's say you have three, three treatments for cancer. All right, first one, first one, radiation. So the thing, that, the thing that caused the cancer was probably radiation in the first place, but we're going to shoot, shoot your body with high-intensity waves, hoping that the cancer, cancer cells die first. All right, that does brutal things to your body. All right, second, second, chemotherapy. So you're putting poisons in your body that are poison to everything, but hopefully the cancer cells die first. All right, but if, what if there was a third option? The magic anti-cancer pill. And when what happens is when you, when you take this pill, you're instantly well. No side effects. It's incredibly cheap. It's widely available to everyone. All right, if you were, if you were marketing, if you were marketing this pill, you better tell them that it's better than anything else. And it wouldn't be bad marketing, it would be cruel. It would be abuse to, to not lift this up and say it is the greatest thing in the whole world. It is, the, it is the one and only treatment. To even say that there are three treatments would be to misrepresent the one. All right, that's the case with God. That if he were to, he were to not obsess with his own glory, we would we'd be running after other things that are ugly in comparison, that are weak in comparison, false gods, false idols, things that are just going to kill us. So God has to be obsessed with his glory for our sake. We should be excited that he is into his glory. And we should be excited that he actually invites us to be part of the, part of the advertising committee, <laughs> as it were. And we get to join him in this. That it's for our good, it's for, it's for humanity's good, that God comes first. All right, so. 
That's the point of this commandment. What does it look like to actually keep it? What does it look like to take up this name, not in vain, but, but successfully? All right, we're going to start, we're gonna start really simple and kind of, kind of silly, and then we'll start to get deeper. All right, so first of all, there's all those mundane uses, usages. All right, things like, oh, my God, oh, God. All right, what, what do we think of those? All right, what does oh my God mean? All right, you're, you're surprised? All right, but like if you think about it, okay, are you talking to God? Like, not, not really. You're just throwing it out there. And that's where it's, it's a waste of the name. Did you successfully glorify the name? No, not really. You kind of trivialized it. You're just, just putting it out there. And honestly, things like, oh my gosh, and oh my goodness, they're not any better. All right, you're not, you're not successfully like, oh, I, I protected God's name. No, the, the goal is not just to, to not get your, your clip removed. It's to actually glorify the name of God. And you haven't done that either way. You're like, it's just a waste of time. And that's where you could say real things. Like something terrible happens and you say like, God, help these people. Like, God, you are in control. There are things that you can do with that situation that, that actually reflect the glory of God. All right, another one, another one. This is my soapbox one, so bear with me. All right, thank God. Thank God. Why did we turn thank God into thank goodness? Who is goodness? When has goodness ever done anything for us? Why are we thanking him? What are we accomplishing there? All right, if you're thankful, be thankful to God. If you didn't fail your test after studying, like, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for, help, like, for getting me through this. He actually had a hand in it. He is sovereign over all things. All right, goodness never helped you. You don't need to be thankful to goodness. Cut that out. All right, you have someone to really be thankful to. And if you're just being mundane and just saying it and you're not actually thankful, then check your heart because you should be. All right, yes? All right, good, good. All right, that's, that's a stupid one. All right, we can move on from there. All right, now, now, how do you actually talk about God when you talk about him? When you talk about it, how do you represent his character? How, you re how do you represent who he is and what he's done for you? in your speech. All right, how does, he, how does he come off? Does he come off cruel? Does he come off boring? Does he come off mundane? The way we talk about the Lord should, should reflect our, our passion for the beauty of our God and the gravity of who this God is and what he's done for us. No, I think the worst way that we do this is that we turn God into the, the physical embodiment of Murphy's Law. All right, if, if whatever can go wrong will go wrong and be as bad as possible. Oftentimes, that's how we talk about God. Like, oh, yeah, God will just give us the worst thing we can possibly imagine. Um, now, I know we say it as a joke and we, there's some seriousness in that, but like, we can't talk about God like that. We, we need to 
to reflect the fact that he is the best thing that ever happened since creation and before that. Yes? Yes. All right. Um, and then if we take it one step further, like, what do you actually think of God? Do you like him? Do you want to spend time with him? Do you actually think that he loves you? Do you love him back? Like, this is not just a, a game for words. This is, a, this is the, reflecting the heart of our worship for God. And there's probably, there's probably junk in there in your heart that comes out in your speech, things that you actually think about God. This commandment is, is challenging that. What do you actually think of him? All right, let's keep going. It just gets, it gets more brutal from here. Let's go. Uh, all right, promises, promises and oaths. So part of this commandment is, is you're not supposed to take oaths in the name of the Lord in vain. All right, so next time you're about to say, like, I swear to God I'm not taking 95 at 5 p.m. ever again, so help me. All right. First of all, you will, because you will inevitably have to go somewhere. Uh, that's the only way to get anywhere. Um, and, okay, so then you'll be a liar, but now you have the wrath of the omnipotent God raining down upon you. All right, like, it sounds kind of silly, but, like, you didn't need that in your life, okay? And we don't swear to God because he's real, and if, if we really want him to hold us accountable, we, we don't. So let's keep those vows as, as few as possible. And the ones that we do make are our marriage vows, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our, our vows before the church, Let's honor the Lord in the way that we keep our vows. That's what this command is calling to us. All right, finally, finally. And this is the, the weightiest of them. How do you honor the Lord in, in the fact that you, you have taken the Lord's name? That many of you call yourselves Christians, that you are followers of Christ, that you called upon the name of Jesus to be saved, and now his name is your name, that by his name you are saved, and by his name you continue to be saved. All right, do you bear that name in vain? In vain. Or have you taken that name for the glory of him? Now that's where we have, to, we have to recognize that it's not just what we say, it's that our, our whole lives are lived out as those who bear the name of Christ. That we bear the name of Jesus. And that anything, anything you do reflects upon the name. Anything you attach yourself to, any of your commitments, any of your community, any of your kind of agendas, they're, they're getting attached to Jesus. You can't escape that. And that's where I'm going to warn us to be careful. To be careful in the things that we tie ourselves to 
that might not have anything to do with Jesus. But to the world, they, they speak volumes. All right, so take something like, like I'm committed to, to capitalism and the free market. All right, you're saying, you're saying inside in a sense that, that Jesus is committed to that too. I'm going to make sure, okay, is Jesus committed to that? And in, in, so, in what way? What does that say about the poor? What does that say about, there's implications. And you can't just cat, attach everything to yourself without thinking, oh, wait, 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 no, I'm a Christian first. It speaks to things. And we can't just run around saying things like, well, God loves everyone and, and there's no, the things don't matter. Like, mm, no, they do. You're saying something about the holiness of Jesus. And that's where this commandment starts to get bigger and bigger. And we start to ask, okay, like, my life is not my own. It's not a question of what am I allowed to do? It's the things that we're going to lift up the name of Jesus the best. And that me talking to my neighbor, it's not what am I allowed to say? It's, it's what, what is actually going to glorify Jesus in this conversation. I could share grace with this person so that they see the, the grace and mercy of Jesus. I could share the law with this person so that they see the holiness of Jesus. There are decisions to be made. And that everything we do is, is supposed to be building towards this. Be careful what you associate with and what, what starts to muddy the waters when you call yourself a Christian. Now, of course, the thing that, that muddies the water the most is sin. That we have taken this name and we're saying that this, this is how God is. That God is angry. God is impure. God is unjust. God is cruel. We bear the name in vain. How do you bear this name, Jesus? How do we bear the name of Jesus? All right. Do you see the commandment? All right. There's a lot there. This is much bigger than just, just some goofy words that we say sometimes. All right. That's where, all right. How do we talk about this as a promise? As a promise. All right, there's, there's lots of names for God. In, in the Old Testament, it's mostly talking about the name as, as Yahweh, the great I am, the one who exists before everything else. Now, thankfully, we have been given a different name to respect and to love and to honor. We've been given the name Jesus. Jesus, which means Savior. That he is the Savior of the world. That he is the King who has come, Jesus Christ. And that my hope is that the better the name, the more we love and respect and want to lift up that name. So we have seen, we have seen what Jesus has done. We have seen someone who, who lifts up the name of God the most. I'm going to do something different. All right. What do you actually like about Jesus? I'm actually asking you. What do you like about him? 
Comfort. All right. What else? Friend. He's a friend. Okay. Joy. Joy. Joy in Jesus. All right. If you were, if you were sitting here, what would you actually like? If you had to talk to him, what would you like about him? Prince of peace. He's a prince of. No, you wouldn't think that, Candy. What does that mean? You would think this guy's a prince of peace. <laughs> <laughs> He's peaceful, maybe. He's super chill. Okay, good, good. Compassionate. Super chill. <laughs> He's blunt. Okay, good, good. He is blunt. He listens. Good. All right, he speaks the truth. He's not fake. All right, we like, my hope is that we actually like Jesus. And that like, the name of Jesus actually brings to mind someone that like, we love and we respect and that it has gravity because of who he is. This is not just like this vague God out there. No, this is, this is a real person, a real God. And do we love him? Do we stop at his name? Do we feel the gravity of who he is? And this is the one who, who did come to die. Now, what name did he deserve? He deserved all these names. And what did he get? He got the fake king written above his, his head. And that he was blasphemer. He was a fool. He was dead. Those are the names that he got because he wanted to change our names. He wanted to change our names. That our names were sinner, our names were children of wrath, the offspring of Satan. Like these are, these are really bad names. Impure, naked and ashamed, guilty. But Jesus took all of those names so that we could be called children of God. We could be princes in the kingdom. We could be beloved, the chosen people of God, priests and kings and perfect in his sight. In Revelation, there's actually this, this fun little minute detail where John says that, that to those who are victorious, you'll be given a, a white stone which has your name written on it. A name that is known by you alone. God's personal name to you. Like, your nickname with God. Alright, that all happened because Jesus came, because Jesus' name is Savior. And the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Thank God that that has not happened to us. Yes? Thank him. Because Jesus came, Jesus took on this terrible name. But thankfully now we know him as, as the risen Savior. As the king who is reigning now. Let's lift up his name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have revealed to us your name ultimately in Jesus, that you are Savior, that you have loved us and you have, you have 
seen your name dragged through the mud, and yet you have lifted up our names. And Father, I ask that that would not lift us up, but that we would lift you up for what you've done for us. That we'd glorify your name, that we would stop at your name, that we'd be captivated by it. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you've done. We ask that you'd send your spirit, that you would change us, that we would become the the perfect reflection of your nature and Father that we would bear your name for your glory empower us to do that we pray in the name of Jesus